you've ever imagined. This, this is real, guys, okay? And so let's pray and ask God's favor and his Holy Spirit for anointing and for understanding of his holy word. Father, open our eyes. I remember your prophet who had a helper. One day he saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. It looked like the enemy was going to win. He told Elisha, what are we going to do, master? Elisha said, we're going to turn this over to God. He's already got this, don't you see? And he goes, no, all I see is the army out there against me. All I see is Satan's people. He said, dear Lord, open their eyes. Open my servant's eyes so that he could see that those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And it says by your glory and your power that the heavens split open. And he was able to look up and see your chariots and your army that was standing there waiting. And Father, I pray today that you open our eyes. You open our eyes to the battle that's standing before us and the army that's there surrounding us, but help us to know that your army is right there. The unseen powers of God, the angelic forces and army that's there on our side, and those who are for us are more than those who are against us. So give us the power, give us the courage, and give us the will to study your word in truth May your Holy Spirit allow us to receive it and understand it for what it is, Father. I'm so excited to reveal these things from your word today. You know how excited I am. So that you can be glorified, Father, in what you've given us. Pray your anointing on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to chapter 4. I'm going to be there in a minute of Genesis chapter 4. Last week we introduced this warfare that I'm talking about. The, two, the first two recorded sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And he knew his wife in intimacy. And they bore these sons. And the Bible brings out the fact that all of history is a spiritual war. For immediately after chapter 3, whenever they said that your seed was going to go against the serpent's seed, immediately in chapter 4, we saw that life is spiritual. It's about worship. God had told them that there's a time of worship, there's a place of worship, and there's a way to worship. And God had expounded all of that to these young men and to this family. And they were supposed to follow through with what God had asked them to do. And... We saw that then one was accepted, one was rejected. The rejected one went the way of Cain, his way, the way of the seed of the serpent. Abel had done what was righteousness. We're going to see that again in a minute as we, as we go through here. But at what we need to realize, and then he rose up and he slew his brother. And what we need to realize is that life is about your spiritual relationship whether you realize it or not, with who you serve and who you walk after. It's all about our spiritual way of life, and it's all about which seed are you going to follow. It goes all the way to the end of time. So the Lord God then, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he said, this is something that just jumped out at me. With an emphasis, I've read it thousands of times, but what it was emphasized to me in my study this week, the Lord God said to the serpent, I. So who's getting ready to declare war? God, you're right, God is. I am putting enmity between you and her, between your seed and her seed. That is a declaration of war. You know what the word enmity means? The Lord God said, I am putting an enmity 
the word enmity means a detestable hatred. Between you and your way and your seed and mine, that, that is a dividing line. And that is a declaration of war. It is irreconcilable differences based upon the values and characters of the sides. And I can have no relationship with you. Light has no fellowship with darkness. And this is war. And the war starts now. And it will be between our two seed lines that runs from here. Enmity runs deep. And you cannot be a fence straddler on it. There is no way that you can. So we need to understand, please... That everything that is going on even in this world right now with the different lies and the stories and the mandates. Everything that is going on goes back to this right here. Jesus said, John 8, 44. You've got to understand this. We need this wisdom. We've, we've ignored it for so long. The Lord specifically said, starting in verse 43, Why do you not understand my speech? How come you can't understand what I'm trying to get through your head? That even because you cannot hear my word, because you are of your father, the devil. Did you hear that? If you are not with Jesus and in Christ and for him, I am sorry to say I didn't make the rules. I'm trying to preach the truth so you understand. He said, then you are of your father, the devil. And the lusts of your father, you will do. He was a liar and he was a murderer from the beginning. And he enticed his lusts upon Cain to slay Abel. We talked last week. That word for slay in the New Testament described exactly how he did it. I go to the, the museum in, in Genesis over there at the Creation Museum. They got pictures up when it comes to, to Genesis 4. And it has a rock or a club of what he's using. No, the word for slew, that he slew his brother Abel and why did he slew him? Because his works were righteousness and Cain's were evil. The word for slew that's used there both times is to use a sacrificial knife to order to make a sacrifice and to slice and butcher up that sacrifice. There had been no death to a human. That's the first recorded one. What had just preceded his death? The act of offering. Cain brought his works of his hand. Abel brought a lamb and he sacrificed that lamb and then offered the fat thereof. So he took his shepherd's knife and he slit the throat, the blood of the offering. There is without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. He shed the blood. He offered up the best parts. And Cain and the devil saw how people could be killed and murdered. And the thing that went into Cain was he was of his father, the devil. And I want a blood sacrifice too. And you rise up against your brother in the field. And you slay him and offer that up to me. And the blood offerings have been going up since Abel all the way up until the Lord's going to come again. That's the battle that we are in. And Jesus said it himself. You are, these were the re religious righteous folks. These were the Pharisees and the publicans and the one who went into their temple and prayed three times a day and was giving their alms and blowing their horns. And he said, you are of your father the devil. And the lust thereof you want to do. What are they going to get ready to do? They're going to lie about him to Pilate and they're going to put him to death. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning and you want to follow through with his lust pattern upon you. I want to smile for a minute. <laughs> I'm starting to get too worked up. 
I'm going to talk about some lies. I put it in here, so I'm going to say it. Give us two weeks and we'll flatten the curve. Eighteen months later, show me your papers. I've been saying everyone needs to have a choice. You don't force these things. But anyway, know that nobody is your friend. Nobody is your friend. You need to stay with what your conscience tells you with the word of God. Through it. Because I, Lord God, am putting enmity and hatred. So you got to guard everything that comes at you. Because you don't know if it's from my seed or his seed. And you need to make sure of where this is coming from. Chapter 4 of Genesis. Two sons. Follow me there. Cain and Abel were born into the world. One chose the seed of Kate, uh, Satan, the way of Cain. The other one, the way of the lamb. We saw that last week. Now, Hebrews 11. We saw that the Lord God said there's a place of worship, a time of worship, and how to worship. We said we know that because, verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God the more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Faith comes by what? Hearing by what? Boy, I love it that you guys are, know that scripture so well because verse 6, without faith, without hearing the word of God and knowing the word of God and doing the word of God, without faith, it's impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it says, then, by faith, doing what God said and diligently trying to serve him through what he said. By faith, Abel offered up what God said. So evidently, God said, there's a place of worship, a time for worship, and here's what I want for worship. Abel offered to God what he asked, faith. Cain did not. So Abel was testified by God as being righteous but not Cain. Now, verse 5 I stuck in there and highlighted for a reason later on. Because we're going to talk about Enoch in a minute who was translated. By faith, he had so much faith in God that God said, I'm taking you right now. And I'm not going to allow you to, to die and to live the long life that everyone else is doing. Because you've pleased me so well. And you're walking with me. So he took him. Hold that thought in your head. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anytime you hear a wherefore or a therefore, you need to know why it's there for. So, now on our next one, it says that wherefore. Go ahead and give me my next slide, please. There you go. Thank you. We keep talking about this seed war. How do you know the difference between the seed of the serpent the way of Cain versus the seed of God, the lamb. In this, you see all the way into 1 John, we still got this seed war going. In this, the children of God are manifest or made known versus the children of the devil. Whoever doeth righteousness, not righteousness, is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. And this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we ought to love one another. Verse 12. But be not as Cain was who was of that wicked one. You see, I'm not stretching the truth when I tell you that he was of the wicked one. He was of his father, the devil. He was following the seed of the serpent and what the lusts of the father was of his father, which was to lie and to kill he slew his brother. And then when God said, where is your brother? He said, what? Yeah, I don't know. Lie and murder. He did the lust of his father, as Jesus said. And he slew his brother. There's that word I was telling you about. And wherefore, why did he slew him? His works are evil and his brother's is righteousness. And now here's the passage that jumped out at me again this week so marvel not my brethren if the world 
hate you. I have always wanted and desired for folks to, to like me, to not to, to not to have enemies. You don't usually think of yourself as being hated by a lot of folks, do you? So we go through this normal biasy thing of life, thinking, you know, I'm trying to be good. I'm who I am. Why would anyone want to hate you? We've never realized that because you are of God, <laughs> you're of the seed of the Lamb, that He hates you. Satan hates you for who you are and who's in you. The world who serves him hates you. Marvel not. That word means don't jump out of your skin and be so surprised when all of a sudden you find out that the entire world is against you. That they are hating you and that they're wanting to lie against you and to kill you and to take you and your family's life away from you. Don't marvel. I've been trying to tell you from the beginning that you are hated. That you are not to be of the world, love the world, and want to do what the world says to do. You are different. You've got my seed in you now when you believe in Christ. And don't be astonished that don't be all skippy about yourself like that old song we've talked about before a while back on Lord, it's hard to be humble. You know, you're perfect in every I know you are. But guess what? You're perfect because of Christ and that's why he hates you. Don't be, get astonished that he hates you and he wants to take your life. Don't. Let that get into the way. Marvel not about that. Now, because enmity, I have placed the enmity between you and him. Now, marvel not the world hates you. Look at John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. This is the condemnation. This is the judgment that light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil, and he that doeth evil hates the light, and neither comes to light unless his deeds would be exposed and reproved. Darkness hates light. It, Jesus is the light that has come into the world, but the world would not receive him. Marvel not then, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that the world hates you as well and doesn't want to have it. Darkness hates light. And if you try to, the only way you'll go around and not to have the world hate you is when you act like the world and not like the light. If you act like the light out in the world, the darkness is going to let you know that it does not like you and it doesn't want you acting like that. Marvel not whenever it comes against you. Marvel not that they hate you. Darkness hates light. Every person, every process, that in every righteousness way that is of the Lamb of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. And when you do that, war has been declared against the other side. You had been on his side up to that point. But when you do that, you are now of the seed of the Lamb. You are of the light. And he has declared war against you. The enemy has. Now. Do y'all get it? How serious this battle is. And how much you're really hated. I want to tell you something about our God. He's more powerful than anything else. His word is more powerful. And he always gives grace. And a message. Before he brings along his wrath or his judgment. So next week, here's your future attractions. You know, here's the coming attractions. Next week, we're going to do Genesis chapter 6, Lord willing.
Genesis chapter 6 is not a Sunday school tale of here they come, here's our little boat, and here comes the animals two by two. Put them in the boat, kids. Okay, good. Let's go on and move. Let's sing a song. No. There is a reason. There is a reason that the Lord God that created the heavens and the earth and created man and said it is good. There is a reason that he had to destroy his world and destroy all but eight souls that was upon this world. And it's because of a genetic seed line. It is the gene pool of the woman versus the gene pool of the serpent. The moment he heard in Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman will crush your head, guess who he waged war upon? Just as God said, I'm waging war on you, guess who he waged war on? Seed of the woman. Us, the man, yes. Mankind, the seed of the woman. The war was raged. The next one, the first murder. You know why? Because Abel, we're going to find out in a minute, was of the lineage of the lamb. And he said, I'm going to destroy the lineage of the lamb. So now we're going to find out in a minute when we read the genealogy that Seth came as a replacement for Abel for the lineage of Christ to come through. It's always... Since Genesis 4 and 3 been about the seed line. And we're going to find out a lot next week. Of how the entire genealogical genetics of the world was corrupted. And why God had to destroy it. So that the gene pool stayed clear. You know why Matthew starts out with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. To prove that he is the pure lineage from God creating Adam to Jesus Christ and that Satan has not destroyed the seed of the woman. That's why it's there and that's why this is important for us. So now, in Genesis 5, we're going to get the good news of the gospel before we get what God does in Genesis chapter 6 because of the gospel and because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his seed. And it actually begins in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25, if you're there with me. Let's, let's go ahead and begin reading. I'm going to read this because I want to tell you something. What we are getting ready to read from here through the end of Genesis chapter 5 is some of the most exciting verses in the Bible. This is scripture that is just so enthralling, so exciting, so powerful. I hope you see it. Are you ready? Okay, it's some of my favorite stuff. Chapter 4, verse 25. Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, hath appointed me another seed. There's our seed war. Instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. You see how important this is, what we're studying? And his name, Seth, this is, this is what we're going to get into. Seth means appointed. And that's why she named him Seth because God appointed. Seth means appointed. Another, he's the appointed one. Through this lineage is going to come the Christ. To Seth then, verse 26, to him there was born a son named Enos. And then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, we're going to get the gospel message first before we get the judgment that's to come in chapter 6. The good news comes first. God gives everyone a chance. Now turn the page to chapter 5. Next verse says, This then is the book of the generations of Adam. You see, we're already getting into the fifth chapter. We've got to have a genealogy so that we know the true lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the book of the genealogy, the generation of Adam, in the day that God created man, and the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam, which means mankind, on the day that they were created. Adam lived 130 years, and he begat a son. You see the change. We always talk about we were created in the image of likeness of God. There's a reason why you must be born again that we had two to three weeks ago. Why must you be born again? Because we lost part of that image of God. When man 
gives his birth and begets a child through Adam. Look what it says. Adam lived 130 years, beget a son in whose image? His own image. And called his name Seth. You see, Adam, verse 1, created in the image and likeness of God. He lost the ability to pass on the Spirit of God. Man, he was given two lives, remember, soul and spirit. Man can pass on physical life through the soul. But Jesus said that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. And you must be born again. So when Adam procreates. And that's why the virgin birth and the seed of the woman is promised. Because only God can give spiritual life. And only Christ could reclaim the right of spiritual life through faith in him. So Spiritual life is not passed on through the seed of man. Adam now not having that that was given to him in the beginning. Whenever he begets a son, it's in his image, flesh, and his likeness. And he beget then other sons and daughters. And yes, that's where Cain and Abel got their brides from because it was such a pure genetic line that they could. And this is the way God said, you go together, you be fruitful, multiply and fill up the earth. And yes, that's how it started. And after that, he begat more sons and daughters and all the days of Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived long life after that and begat Enos and 807 years and he begat sons and daughters and all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Then Enos, his son, lived 90 years before he begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he had begat Canaan 815 years and he begat more sons and daughters and all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. Now just think. All the days begetting, starting with Adam and Eve, Eve could have had a couple hundred kids. They lived 900 more years. If, if God said be fruitful and multiply and they had to fill up the earth over 900 years, if, if she had 200 kids, she's still skipping 10 years between each one almost, okay? The, there was more sons and daughters. We got to open our eyes to the true picture. I don't know how many it was. It doesn't say, but it was a lot to get this thing rolling. So they all lived. Canaan then, verse 12, lived 70 years, and he begot Mahalalel. That's a mouthful. And he lived after he begot Mahalalel 840 years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Canaan were 910, and then he died. Mahalalel lived 60 and 5 years and begat Yared. And Mahalalel lived after he begot Yared another 830 years, begetting sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Yared lived 160 and 2 years and he begat Enoch. And Yared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Yared were 962 years, and he died. Then Enoch, boy, this guy was something else. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years, and he begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. You see, now we've got to change. And after he begat Methuselah, he walked with God 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. There's a reason why he walked with God. You're going to find out in a minute. And he was not, for God took him. And, and he lived 365 years. I want to point this out with Enoch then. He walked with God. He lived 365 years after that. He, he walked with him 300 years and, li and lived 365. That's less than half of some of these guys. It's 900 and some, right? Don't think about how soon or how late that the Lord takes you home has any resemblance on the life you're living, okay? 
God's going to take you home when he's ready for you and when he wants you at the proper time when he needs to have you there to protect you. It says in Isaiah, it's one of my favorite passages of scriptures for someone who loses someone in their youth. It says there that whenever people look and say, why? Why did this happen? Why did it allow it to happen? It says, Isaiah the prophet says, God has said, know ye not, O man, that I know his ways, and I knew the evil that lie ahead, and so I took him before that evil could overcome him. So don't you think that just because someone died young, like Enoch did, that it was because of a wrong life? No. God knows the proper time when he's supposed to. I know a young man who had just regained his faith in Christ and then lost his life. God knew the evil that was going to lie ahead and took him before that was going to happen. So, so that's what I want to say about Enoch as we go on. And then Methuselah was born to him. Verse 25. And he lived 180 and 7 years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and 2 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. And Lamech lived 180 and 2 years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah saying. Now here's another time that it tells you what the name meant. This same shall comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands. Because the ground which the Lord had cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and 5 years. Begetting more sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 770 and 7 years. And he died. Noah was 500 years old. And Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Wow. Was that not the most exhilarating section of scripture that you have ever heard read? Wait a minute. I heard the pin drop. <laughs> Man, you all got quiet. Was that not the most exciting section of scripture? Okay. Now... Now I'm going to start showing you why it is, okay? Because I know just reading that, you're thinking, beget, 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 beget. What? Daryl's leading me on, isn't he? No. Now I want to show you what's really going on. And every time, this is one of my favorite, absolute favorite chapters in the Bible. And every time that I teach on something like this, I like this passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out the matter. You and I are kings. He has made us kings and priests unto our God through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's our honor. The word for both uh, thing and matter is devar. And devar, on my little Hebrew card, says word, matter, or thing. So that word can either be the word of God, a thing, or the matter. But all of it usually concerns something close to what God has to say. So what that's really saying, it's the glory of God to conceal within his word some hidden things. And it's to your glory if you will search his word out so that you'll have it revealed to you. You ready to see what God was hiding in Genesis chapter 5 for you? All right, before we do, I want to show you this. Anyone ever seen the Paleo-Hebrew chart? <laughs> the original language of Hebrew that God would have wrote through Moses was Paleo. It was those little inscriptions on the top. You see it starts with the Aleph and then goes to the Bait and the Gimel and the Dalet. Well, that's their Aleph Bait, where we get alphabet, okay? You know that... Jesus is the beginning and the end, right? The Aleph and the Tav or the Omega. And, well, Aleph is the end. Look at the Tav at the end. What is it? It was a cross. So the ending was the cross. The beginning was the head because God's the head, okay? So here's what I want to tell you about the God you serve. This is why I fell in love with this language and why 
This language reveals faith. It will build your faith like nothing else when you understand this. Because every, every symbol, every letter has a meaning. Every word, when you put the letters together, every word provides the meaning from those letters of what the word means. And I want to give you an example. Aleph up there, and the next one, Bait. You put those two letters together, that is the word Av. It sounds like Av because B, depending on a dot point, is either a B or a V, depending upon your pronunciation of it. So the A and the B together is Av. The, the Aleph is an ox head. The ox represents the leader. He's the one that leads the plow, leads the cart. Or it is the strength. It was the strongest, the biggest domesticated animal that they used. And so the olive, the ox head symbol, means the head, the leader, or the strength. The next letter on bait, that is like you're looking down from God's view. But that would be their tents, the way they set it up. To the left, you have like the entrance of the tent and where you would gather or where you would meet people. But in the back part was where like their sleeping quarters was. It was a little bit more restricted. So that's like the looks of the tents that Abraham and them would have been in as they were, were out in, the, in their uh, wildernesses. So when you, the, the bait means tent and it means the house, the home, the dwelling place. So when you put those two letters together and make Av, you have the leader or the strength or the ruler of the house, the home. Guess who that is? God with the spiritual family and with our families. Who's the leader of the house? Father. Av is the word for father. So whenever we call the father, Abba, father, He's the leader of our house, the head, the strength, the power behind it of our of our dwelling place. Men, you are supposed to be the leader and the strength of your home. Av, is that not brilliant that our God already pre-planned every letter and every word on that what the letters stand for when you put it together for a word, it makes what the word is you don't have to wonder what it is give you one more fire fire is ash long a but it's almost like ash what we've turned it into but it's the olive at the top and the next to the bottom one the shin there next to tav that's supposed to represent teeth like your two front teeth and in later, it became like the little pointed teeth, which later became our W, okay? So, when you put teeth together with the first letter, Aleph, and it's Aleph, Sheen, or Aish, that means what? Strong teeth. Eddie's not here, but all of you have seen what a fire does to either a campfire, to a home, or even to a forest out in California where a million acres is just burnt down, hasn't it? A fire has strong teeth that devours and destroys, destroys into nothingness, ashes. Every word, every letter, that's how great our God is. Every letter, every word has a meaning. So let's see what that meaning has for us in the story that we just read in chapter 5. The first thing that we have is Adam. Whenever we read all through there, it says that Adam is going to uh, beget uh, Seth. Go ahead and give me my next slide. I may not have wrote it on there. So here's the lineage. I don't know if you can really see it, but it starts up there with Adam and Seth. And you remember we read all of those. Adam beget Seth. Seth beget Enos. And it went all the way down to Canaan. Methuselah. Yared. Enoch. Methu or, uh, Mahalalel. Yared. Enoch. Methuselah. Lamech. And Noah. And that was the, what we just read in that genealogy of chapter 5. That I was telling you was so exciting. You know why? 
I'm going to tell you what each name means. Because the names have been just transliterated, which means like they just brought the letters over and you know it as a name. But every name had a meaning. Just like we saw in four, chapter 4 and verse 25 and 26 that she called his name Seth because God had appointed her another son in the place of Abel. And Seth means appointed. We saw at the very end of Genesis 5 that he called his, Lamech called his name Noah because he shall bring comfort or rest to us from the curse of the ground. So Noah means comfort or rest. So now, whenever we begin to go through and look at what God did when he wrote this, it was his glory to hide something. It's our honor to reveal his glory on what he said. So, so go ahead now. Adam means man or mankind. Seth means to have be appointed. Enos, how'd you like to grow up with that name? It means frail, sickness, flesh, death, mortality. Canaan means sorrow. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm so bad in mortality and death, I'm going to name my kid Sorrow because I'm sorrowful. Mahala Lael means praise be to God or the blessed God. So uh, when we say hallelujah, that is praises to God. Mahala Lael is the same, is, comes from that same root word. It means the blessed God instead of just praise be to God. Yared is the word in Hebrew that means to descend, to go down, like you come down off of a hill. The word Enoch means to commence into something, to, to teach, to, to show you something. Methuselah means his death shall bring, and I've said this before, when we studied dying you will die, that the word was muth. The, uh, another verbal form of that is meth, just like the drug, yeah, that causes death. That's the word for death is meth, and shalah is to bring something. So when Enoch named his son Methuselah, he was saying his death shall bring. And Lamech, the name Lamech means to despair, to be in mourning, and Noah means comfort and rest. So what God hid... In Genesis chapter 5 was the gospel of Jesus Christ, which says man has been appointed mortality, death, sorrow. But praise be to the blessed God who shall come down out of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will descend and come to this earth and he will begin teaching us that his death shall bring to those who mourn comfort and rest I can't help it forgive me but every time I read that I get so filled with the wonder of God and what he did and what he hid there that I just can't stop my eyes from heating up our blessed God hid in chapter 5 in the begets that we just want to skim over. He's, he's saying, I chose the name for, I named him Adam, mankind, in the day I created him. His wife, after she lost the seed, she said, his name is Seth, because God appointed me another one in his place. And Seth was inspired to name his son. And Enos was inspired to name his son so that when God is getting ready to destroy the world because of the, the war against the seed line of the lamb, he said, I want you to know that all the way up to Noah who's going to get on that boat and start it all over again, my seed line was perfect. And it goes through there and I am placing my gospel message in that and that the reason the war is on because the Lamb of God is coming through the seed of woman. And he says, I want the gospel message to be known in the names of those people. That yes, mankind fell. Mankind lost the ability to have spiritual life. But I'm going to send a Savior down from this earth. And I have appointed another seed. And through his lineage, he's going to come. And yes, you right now have in your fleshly body, you have death. 
you have sickness and you have mortality. But praise be to God that through all of the sorrows that you're going to have in life, I'm going to send a son. And he's going to come down out of heaven and he's going to be your savior. And he's going to come down here to begin teaching you all things about himself and how that his death shall bring to you hope and bring to you spiritual life to all who will believe on him. If you are mourning because of your sins and your desperate situation with God, he says, I, his death will bring to you comfort and rest. And that's why I'm naming my son Noah. Praise God, right? The gospel was hid in chapter 5. You just seen the glory of God and we revealed it, what he hid. And it wasn't anything with me. It was the Holy Spirit who has led me to the people and to the studies of the word to bring this to you. And I just rejoice every time that I can. How many of you like math? Before we close, I want to share one more thing. I had one hand. <laughs> I know. Right? Math. Why are we, well, I want to do some biblical math for you. I want to show you something else. You remember he named his, his son Methuselah. You remember what Methuselah meant? His death shall bring. Right? Okay. Let's do some math. The factors. You got to have factors that you're going for. Genesis chapter 7 verse 6. You can go there and fact check me. Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. Methuselah means his death shall bring. We saw he lived 969 years, right? He's like the longest living that we have recorded. Everybody else. Who was the one that lived the longest? Methuselah. Okay. Genesis 5.25. Methuselah was 187 years old when he fathered Lamech. Because see, Methuselah is the grandfather of Noah. So when he was born at 187, he fathered Lamech, who is Noah's father. Lamech was 182 when he fathered Noah. So Methuselah then, when you add those two together, was 369 years old whenever his grandson Noah was born, right? So if Methuselah was 369 when his grandson Noah was born, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came, and you do the math of that, what do you come up with? 969. Methuselah lived to be 969. Enoch, you want to know why Enoch went off and was walking with God? And that means that to and fro, he never took a step now without God. Because God had revealed to Enoch, you're going to name your son Methuselah. And his death is going to bring about the flood of all mankind because of the seed, this genetic war that we're in. And buddy, it scared him so bad. You can go to Jude, and I think it's verse 11, and it says they're talking about Enoch. It's never recorded anywhere else in the Bible, but in Jude, which is the Lord's brother who believed after the Lord died. And Jude was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that Enoch, Whenever this was going on and he knew that his son's death was going to bring, it says he began preaching to all the ungodly. He uses ungodly four times in one verse. And he said he's going to begin preaching to all the ungodly, to all those who were living in ungodly ways. He was going to tell them to repent of their ungodly deeds because God was sending a disaster, a flood, with 10,000 of his angels coming down upon the ungodly. That's how worked up Enoch got. And God said, oh, buddy, I'd better take you out of here early, buddy. You know, you're getting, you're getting off the charts here. But it's because how great is our God? He says, you know how you can tell me from any of these other so-called gods that are fakes, that are not gods? You carve them out of wood and stand them up, but they they can't talk. They can't do anything. You carve them out of stone. And you want to worship these things. You know what's different between me, the true and living God, and those things? I can tell you the end from the beginning. I know the history. And I can tell you that. And that's what proves that I am God. And Methuselah, his death shall bring. Proves that God knew the end from the beginning. And on the exact year, the exact time, that it was right when the flood came, he died. His death shall bring the flood, which through that disaster 
is going to bring through Noah the one that's going to have the peace and the comfort from all that you're going through. Praise God. Does that not give you faith? You got a God that knows all of that and revealed it to us. I know you don't like math, but so smile. Math class is over. We're, we're done with that, okay? So now, uh, as, as our brother Ron gets, gets ready to come on up, he knows our future, and he's with us, okay? He's guiding us. I hope that this message then, everything that was said, that you realize the depth of the battle that we're in. I mean, we're, we're in a deep battle of enmity and hatred that is against the seed of God. We choose Christ. Let the battle go. I pray that this message from Genesis 5 reveals to you a greater faith in the word of God and the God that you serve and how brilliant and powerful that he is and he, that he was glorified this day by what we read and, and he has revealed to us. It should give us faith in the awesomeness of his power and his wisdom that he knows the end from the beginning and that this was a gospel message and a mathematical equation that proves who and what God is. So next week, the battle, like I said, is going to rage on. We're going to go into chapter 6 and we're going to see that it's not just a little Bible school story for the kids. It is war. It is a declaration of war and it's still a war to this day. But the same thing that happens in next week in that flood is, is the same like figure for us today in this battle. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 21 says, Christ also, he suffered once for our sins, for you and I. He came down. He did, his death did bring to those who mourn. You know, it says that he's going to come down and begin teaching. I skipped over a couple of things there. Because what I had written down is, is his death shall, shall or he, he shall come down and begin teaching that his death shall bring to those who mourn a hope and a comfort. What did he say in Matthew 5 in his very first sermon on the mount? Blessed are those who are mourn, for they shall be what? The same thing that he said in Genesis chapter 5. My son's going to come down and begin teaching you that his death is going to bring to you that mourn comfort and rest. Not one jot, not one tittle, not one letter is there by mistake, folks. See, he came and he suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might be able to bring us to God, provide that spiritual life back again, by which he went and preached even to the spirits that are in prison, those those that we're going to study about next week are the spirits in prison from Genesis chapter 6, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God had to wait in the days of Noah while that ark was preparing, wherein few souls, that is eight souls, were saved by the water. That like figure doth to this very day. You see, it never ends. The gospel message never ends from Genesis 3 to the end of the age. It never ends. The like figure of what happened then in Genesis 5 and 6 is the same thing that now saves us. And it's not just a putting away of your filth of the flesh. But baptism is the answer of a good conscience towards God. It was, it's the same thing as when Abel offered his sacrifice versus Cain refusing to do what God asked him to do. This is what the Lord asked us to do to recognize by faith what he did for us. You are imitating his death, burial, and resurrection in that water when you do that. You say, I believe so much that he came, died, buried, was resurrected, and brought by the power of God to his right hand. And that he will do the same for me, that I will imitate that. I died a self, I am buried, I am raised up a new creature in Christ. And by the same power that raised the Lord Jesus back up into heaven... From the dead, the same power raises me from my death and sins up to God when he's going to come and get me on that day when the horn blows and the dead in Christ shall rise. It's because we do it by faith. We believe the operation and the word of God, so we do it. It all flows together, folks. It's one story. There's one author. It's really the author is God and the Holy Spirit, and he just used a bunch of people over a bunch of years, but it's one story, and it all ties together. This is the answer of a good conscience. If you have not done that, 
You're on the wrong team. I didn't make the rules. I didn't draw the line. I just have to tell you where the line is. The decision is yours. If you haven't made that decision, right now you're still on the wrong team. I pray that this day, the water is hot. I turned it on yesterday. The clothes are back there so you don't go home wet. I got towels. Come today and make that commitment known if you haven't. Don't, don't wait another day. To those that have made that, I pray that this message has regained your faith. Your faith in the power of God, in the word of God, how beautiful the word of God is, and the gospel message that's been the same all the way through time. Believe in the one who came down from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And Father... It's my favorite section of scripture. I love every word. I love your son and I love those gospels. But Father, there's just something about Genesis. When I began dissecting Genesis, I told you I wanted to write a book that was so. You thought you knew Genesis, huh? (laughs) Because we really didn't. You are so glorious, Father. You're so majestic. You you hide treasures for us to uncover and find. Thank you for allowing us to see this. I pray that your Holy Spirit has made, made this reading of your word now become real to us. I pray that it's ingrained faith within us. I pray that the realization of the battle has motivated some who are not in Christ to be in Christ and to those who are in Christ to go out with a renewed effort to wage a war of righteousness and draw all men unto you that we might be your ambassadors in this world. And help us in that battle because the heat is on. It's getting stirred up hotter right now. Just like our Marines went on to Iwo Jima on those boats and the doors dropped. Man, Satan's bringing the enemy to our shores. We took that hopefully in righteousness. But he's coming after us and bringing the enemy onto our shores, Father. And it's getting hot and the battle's getting ready to rage. I pray, pray that you give us the strength, the courage, and the ability through your word and through your spirit to fight the battle, Lord. I could end with Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. You're going to be tried for a little while. But he that is faithful even unto death, I will give to thee a crown of life. Paul said, I have run the race, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Therefore, there is a crown of righteousness laid up in store for me in that heavenly realm. But yea, not only to me, but to all of those who will believe and to follow this way. Father, we pray for that strength to to do just that, to hold on. In Jesus' name, amen.